1: so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The biggest breaking news stories. An outspoken opinion. The Breakfast Briefing with Julia Hartley Brewer
0: on Talk Radio.
2: Good morning to you. It's Friday, the 12th of November. You're listening to Breakfast with me, Julia Hartley Brewer, on Talk Radio. As well as listening, you can, of course, watch the show live. Talk Radio is now on your TV. Download the Talk Radio TV app or go to talkradio.tv for details on how to watch. Coming up, it's the final day of the COP26 climate summit in Glasgow. Hooray is all I have to say. Meanwhile, a record 1,000 migrants believed to have crossed the channel yesterday as Britain has accused France of surrendering to people traffickers after stopping less than a third of all boats. And Prince Charles's top aide, Michael Fawcett, quit last night following the Cash for Honours inquiry and more allegations of Tory sleaze. 6.33 is the time. This is Talk Radio. Good morning to you. This is Talk Radio Breakfast. With me, Julia Hartley Brew. Thank you very much indeed for your company. I'm delighted to be joined in the studio by our regular guests have not seen for so long, celebrity commentator Benedict Spence. Good morning to you. Hello. And you've brought a pet with
1: you. I have. Those watching on television <laughs> will see the
2: moustache is back. Now there was quite a lot of quite a lot of conversation in the olden days when we all met in person before everyone got weird about that um, uh, you, you grew a moustache and there was a lot of debate about whether you were an extra from Narcos yeah. whether you were starring in a porn video be- many, or such, many such
1: examples I think we had a Twitter
2: competition <laughs> for the show I don't know it became a feature yeah. but it's back it's a Movember-tash
1: it is It is. I mean this is the first time I've ever seen you you're sort of rapidly pro-mask so that you don't have to see me I genuinely you know, really would like
2: you to put your mask on in the studio we, we can do
1: that It's it can be done <laughs>
2: It's the first time ever, exactly. Finally <laughs> finally we see a reason to wear masks. Um Benedict, lots to talk about. Mm. Let's start with let's start so we can get it over and done with COP twenty six. Um I did note this morning, I always I, I look you know I wake up in the morning and I sort of look at what's going on, what's on the talk radio running order, what's you know, what, what are the major news broadcasters uh, in the main MSM doing, what the newspaper's front pages are. First thing I do. And the first thing I noticed this morning was on the day that is the final day of a two week summit, mm. which was meant to save the world from imminent destruction <laughs> i mean i mean it's do or die mm. what is it one, one minute five minutes i lose track of seconds to midnight seconds. to it's... minute to to midnight it's uh you know we are in absolute crisis the planet as we know it is going to be destroyed if we do not come to a deal at mm. this summit, COP twenty seven, twenty six, whatever it is, I lost track. Um there are too many of them. Um and yet today, like the BBC, most read website I think, other than, you know, in the in, in the country, BBC website, only one of the items on its ten most read stories is about COP and that's about activists um basically taking down the tyres of luxury cars yeah. in Glasgow. So basically criminal activity. Just
1: um, behaving like people from Glasgow.
2: Given that the, the Send your letters of credit <laughs> expense or his mustache I'm back in the studio. Um, <laughs> but genuinely, um this is supposed to be this existential battle yeah. about the climate. The British people are meanwhile just getting on with their lives and shrugging,
1: aren't they? They are. It's. I mean, we all know actually that this isn't, it can't really be taken particularly seriously as a sort of something that's going to solve the end of the world because the Russians aren't really involved. The Chinese certainly aren't involved. You know, the Indians said, oh yeah, sure, we'll sort half of it out by 2070. Actually, the major countries that, you know, we need to get on board, you need to get on board to, you know, alter sort of climate targets, they aren't on board and everybody knows it. And, and we know
2: why they're not. Exactly, because exactly. Because they're putting the needs of their economies first. Which tells you mm. something about what we're doing. We're not putting the needs of our economy oh, first.
1: they are delighted about COP26 they and what it's, it's achieved. Hilarious. They think it's hilarious. It's given them all a free run at the, uh, at the fossil fuels that they want or everything that they possibly need in order to sort of stimulate their own economy. They think it's been a roaring success. Oh,
2: and, and also, I mean, India and China are very happy to encourage us to carry on doing this in the West because mm. it's in their interest. I mean, this is, uh, I mean, again, uh, the, the footage from Climate um, climate Summit this, this last fortnight has been Absolutely shocking in terms of just I mean it is just propaganda. It's there's no proper debate, no proper analysis, mm-hmm. nothing about the actual cost. And when a country like India says, fine, we'll do it, but we'll need a trillion dollars from other countries to pay for it all. Mm-hmm. And I think quite right too. I mean, actually will cost us a trillion, so it'll cost them way more. They're a much bigger country with far yeah. poorer people. But but you know, when you actually start putting price tags on it, fun, funnily enough, everyone starts <laughs> being not quite silly. Look, most people give you know, this idea what are you willing to sacrifice for climate change? I mean, the answer is nothing. I won't. I won't turn my heating down. I won't buy a more expensive car. Um, I'm not going to stop eating what I choose to eat. When I don't eat meat all the time, but when I choose to eat meat, I'm sodding well eat meat. Mm. Um, I won't go on fewer holidays. I no, I I'm not prepared to do any of it. And no, I don't want to pay higher taxes to insulate people's homes. No, I don't. I'm sorry. And it doesn't make me a climate denier. I'm not denying the climate. There is a climate. Mm. It makes me someone who just says I don't think this is an issue that is so devastating and awful, or indeed negative at all. Mm. No one. I'm yet to see the evidence being actually presented outside of scaremongering as opposed to proper evidence that it is clear that if the temperature gets warmer in the planet, that um, that things are going to be worse for the planet or worse for human beings. I don't. I don't think that's. I don't think that's proven at
1: all. Well, I'm of a slightly different position, and that's it. That I do believe that it's going to happen, but I do believe it was going to happen anyway because climate is not a stationary thing and never has been. It always fluctuates. That's why you get sort of the rises of different species, and it always has been the case. We are in a fortunate position where we have the technology, we have the capacity to Thank adapt you. to live with these things without actually massively reducing the standard of our living, and that shouldn't be what we're we, aiming to we
2: can adapt over the next century absolutely. as opposed to these arbitrary deadlines that are put mm. in. Oh, absolutely, I mean, I, I do just find it absolutely extraordinary. But I think what's interesting, poll after poll says people are really concerned about this. That's <laughs> not what they raise on the doorsteps with MPs when they're at no. election time. Um, it, and it's not when people are actually told this will actually cost you an extra X or Y. People won't even pay an extra 50 quid. To, to, to these things, no. people complain about fuel duty going up. That is not a that is not a population concern. And again, this whole idea that that basically suddenly you know, it's going to get warmer, and then millions of people are going to stand where they are as the waters rise and drown. I mean, this is just laughable nonsense, hysterical stuff. And frankly, if journalists, I mean, I know that most journalists seem to have stopped doing their job during COVID, as it mm. is doing any proper analysis and, and and cost benefit analysis, and actually checking the facts and, and and questioning what MPs and and politicians and activists are saying, but on climate, I mean, they gave that up a long time ago. Let's talk, though, Tory sleaze. Uh, the accusations. It's not just Tories. It is. It is um, uh, across the board. Some of these accusations. Um, more on Jeffrey Cox mm. and the whole issue about you know his his second job that appears to be his first job. Um, financial <laughs> Times. I'm going to go with Boris Johnson pointing out. Well, he's saying you know you should be concentrating on your first job. Well, for quite a lot of time when he was an MP, that wasn't what the case was. No. Um, we've got um, this issue about second home. So Jeffrey Cox is one of the offenders here. Now, this mm. is a quirk of the new system under IPSA uh, since the expenses scandal in 2009 where you're no longer allowed to as an MP uh, buy a home and pay the mortgage in your, for your second home usually you're your Westminster home you're not allowed to do that to have your second home you're only allowed to pay rent so people who've already got homes often already bought on the public mm. purse mortgage paid got up in value a huge amount they then rent those homes out um, and there's quite a few MPs who are doing that they rent those homes out and then they uh, and then they rent another home but they are allowed to pay the rent mm. I mean It's an absurd system, but it's not against the rules. But I think we all agree it should
1: be. Well, we all agree that it should be. I, I'm actually quite happy that this has all happened because for so long we've been sitting here, you and I, every week, we thought about what is actually going to make the poll shift, what's going to really annoy the British public yeah. so that the government is actually held to account on something. It turns out it's just good old-fashioned sleaze. Yeah.
2: Not being locked in your home <laughs> no. or having your job taken away, your kid's not allowed an education. No, mm. not bothered about that.
1: Nothing at all to do with that. It's simply, oh, this person might be on the take or might be a bit clever and is trying to get around the rules, and I don't like that. You know, it doesn't matter about what? my civil liberties. It's a little bit of you money that, that really annoys me. It's a very me. British thing, it isn't it? It is it
2: Because I mean, you know, the French or the Italians would just shock and go, yeah.
1: <laughs> Such is life. I mean, you know, they're a politician. Yeah. That's what we elected them to do. I like that. <laughs>
2: and I agree with Boris Johnson when he was saying at the summit the other day that we, we are, this is not a corrupt country. This really isn't. Mm. But I do think there is stuff uh, I noticed that pause well this around. is the
1: thing I wouldn't say that we are a corrupt country in the same way that you know there are some sub-Saharan African or Latin American countries that are corrupt but what I would say is we're very good at not always looking for it whereas some countries you know like Italy like France they really do set a lot of store you know because of their links to organised crime in the past that sort of thing of properly going after it whereas right. I do think actually very often we let these things build up build up to a sort of a critical mass and then there is a scandal like this and we all go good lord this is appalling it shouldn't be going on at all I think we're very good at Turning a blind eye for a little longer than perhaps we should. I don't think there's rampant yeah. corruption, but I do think that there's a lot of rule bending, a lot of not breaking yes. the rules, but a lot there's of a bending.
2: lot of not not abiding by the spirit yes. of the rules. And you do wonder about Jeffrey Cox. I'm rather a fan of his leading Brexit. Here. He's a great mm. man. I'm, I'm genuinely the view. It is a good thing to have incredibly clever, successful people in the House of yes. Commons. I'm old-fashioned like that, but. Um, I don't understand why someone who is clearly earning that sort of money, who has a flat in London, mm. needs to rent out that flat at great, <laughs> great, uh, a, a great profit. And then pay, you know, get me and other taxpayers to pay for his rental property in London. The whole point of that second home allowance was for MPs who, mm. who couldn't afford. Yes, I know eighty-one grand is a lot of money, but actually very difficult to run two homes on that. That you know, that's not that's not supposed to be a luxury benefit for people. That is supposed to be ability for them to work in Westminster and in their constituency. But it it's just it's just tacky. It's
1: it is tacky. It is. But. I- I tell you it's what, I do, I do admire his tenacity. At least he works hard, which you I mean, saying. there is
2: that. I mean, exactly. I mean, I prefer that to people who do nothing who at do all. do nothing. Um, interestingly, of course, the the polls have changed. We have mm. now, and there was a prediction actually from one of our guests at the beginning of the week that there would be a poll uh, that uh, was going to see Labour ahead. And yeah, uh, we've seen Labour leading one of the polls just by a couple of points. Mm. But given that we're looking at, you know, sort of 10-point pollies for Tories, no matter what was happening for, for the last couple of years... Um, this is going to start worrying not just number 10 but also a lot of those Tory backbenchers. There is no love Mm. for Boris on the Tory backbenchers. The love for Boris isn't that a lot of the Conservative Party members, but the MPs, they support Boris Johnson because Boris Johnson got them elected and will keep them in their jobs. If they don't think he'll keep them in their jobs that support is going to fade away very quickly.
1: That's the thing, isn't it? And I actually think even with this narrowing of the polls were there to be a general election right now, he'd still win a majority. The key thing is, as you point out, a lot of people in marginal constituencies he might lose a few of them and it's when you get enough of them sort of mm. ganging up and talking to say a Sajid Javid or a Rishi Sunak saying well this wouldn't be happening under you would it old boy and then you start to see the wheels in motion it's not so much the fear that the electorate might kick out Boris Johnson there is always the fan that, that has always been the risk to him that it will be ambitious Tories and worried Tories on his own yeah. backbenches.
2: yeah exactly and uh, and again I'm, a lot of people I know say yeah but these polls are come on <laughs> At the end of the day, on election day, are yeah. people going to go, I'll vote for Labour? Then if they're all the things they're cross about from the Tories, most people I know are cross about what the Tories are doing, think that Labour would be far worse on mm. a lot of those things, whether it's civil liberties, whether it's uh, on, on, on tax rises, uh, climate change, things like that. Keeping the lights um, on. Yeah, keeping the lights <laughs> on. Yeah, those basic things. So they think, well, the Labour be worse. But I always think, but well, at, least, at least there would then be an opposition to a lot of these things. Currently, the only opposition we get from Labour to anything mm. the Conservatives do is, oh, I'd do more of that.
1: Yeah, I think and I've done it, yeah. And
2: I'd have done it sooner.
1: Yes, it would. It would firmly put them in the spotlight. They might have to take some responsibility. Who knows? Some competent people might actually step up to the plate. They do exist in the Labour Party. They just don't tend to rise to the very top because that's not particularly exciting no, for exactly. the Labour
2: Party. Um, let's talk in before we go to a break. Um, NHS massive pressure, waiting lists up again by hundred thousand in just a month. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, 5.8 million people and that's just the people who've managed to get to the point of actually being referred to the NHS so you know it doesn't even touch the size of that it's probably double that Sajid yeah. Javid said as health secretary 999 waits we're looking at people waiting four times as long repeatedly had uh, doctors say even you know, the GPs are having a phone number to call which is supposed to be answered immediately uh, on 999 not getting that answered for, no. for half an hour at a time something is going horribly wrong do we know what it is because there aren't there are only like 7,000 Covid patients in hospital
1: <laughs> I mean I think it's Just a cumulative effect of lots of different things. It is bizarre, isn't it, that we sort of set up our entire society around protecting the NHS and yet here we are once again facing a winter crisis, as we do every year, even if there isn't a pandemic. Ultimately, it is a structural issue. And I think, you know, certainly when you have protocols around things like, you know, wards having to be kept aside for COVID and things like that, of course, you're going to get backlogs. You know, we, you and I have talked about this for a long time. We predicted that this would happen. People would go untreated. People would end up in the backlog. It was always set up to happen. It was never about protecting the NHS. It was about this fixation. On COVID, and now we are reaping the rewards from that, and they are yeah. awful to see.
2: I mean, they really are, and entirely predictable. But again, why does the NHS always fail to predict it every year when there's a problem? And then, and this, I mean, again, we again, we we we've spoken to expert expert who've said that this is mm. what's going to happen. And yet there doesn't seem to be any action done, mm. any taken. And the only, the only action that's been sensible is the not having a mandated vaccination for mm. COVID for, for staff in the NHS yeah. until April, because they know perfectly well the NHS would, would, would simply not have enough staff.
1: Absolutely. I mean, for, for an organisation that's supposed to be about... diagnosis. They're not very good at diagnosing the actual issues. They just say, please just give us more money. Uh, We keep on giving them more money. It never alleviates the problem. The problems just get
2: bigger. I mean, look, it isn't isn't enough money, I would say, given we've got an ageing population. Uh, I often get accused of being an NHS basher. I'm not. I'm a big fan of of free healthcare at the point of demand for Mm. everybody. Um, But the crucial thing is, how how do we deliver that? But it's quite clear the NHS bureaucracy, Mm. the the way it's run, isn't, isn't functioning. We need to find a way of getting more people into doing the front line jobs, we need to, it needs the, the NHS needs to be less cumbersome mm. able to If you look at, you know, Germany and how their healthcare is coped, and France as well, just so, so, so much better than ours. And, and they do spend more on it. They do. They, they do. have more doctors, yeah. they have more nurses, and they have more beds in hospitals. It's Perhead. that simple. They
1: absolutely do. And, you know, this, this is the reality that the British people have to come to terms with. If you do have an ageing population, and also, I'm, you know, I'm not a nanny status, but I do have to say, if you have an ageing population that doesn't live particularly well and doesn't take care of itself that particularly population. well, yes, it there, Then that is going to happen.
2: Here's the deal: you can't complain about the NHS not being, unless you're willing to pay the higher tax.
1: The breakfast briefing with Julia Hartley Brewer on Talk Radio.
2: If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and give me a good review, and don't forget to catch me on the Talk Radio breakfast show every weekday from six thirty until ten.
0: Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter.